0: Welcome, ad nauseum listeners, to episode 114 of our little classically themed Gustatory podcast. As always, my name is Dr. David C. Noe. The C stands for crotchety. <laughs> And I'm here in the vomitorium, vomitorium South, deep down in the bunker with my good friend and fabulous co-host, Dr. Jeffrey T. Winkle. How you doing, Jeff?
1: I'm feeling I'm feeling great. I'm trying to think of what the T stands for. Maybe uh, trepidatious. Trepidatious. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, well, I've used previously tremendous. The T is for tremendous. Oh, I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, you're doing well.
1: I am doing well. How's the week of
0: spring break?
1: Right. I'm on, on spring break. With, okay. And it's not exactly spring. But well, in
0: Michigan, spring break is you know ten feet of ice, something like <laughs> right. that.
1: So no, I've been enjoying it. Been working on some some personal projects. Right. And, and uh, getting some stuff done around the house. It's been wonderful.
0: You want to tell the audience about your your new project? The um, was it the uh, Google Earth? Yes. How does it go again? The the Google Earth uh, virtual tours. Virtual tours. Yeah, I yeah. Started, I've
1: done a couple of these under okay. uh, under the banner of a uh, peregrinatio. You know, peregrinatio uh, yes, like pilgrimage. Nice. And so yeah, maybe we can link them in the in the uh, uh, on the on the podcast. Yes, okay. uh, I got yeah. a link to the podcast in my in okay. the in the descriptions. But yeah,
0: we stopped doing show notes a long we did long time ago. But maybe
1: we could embed the link. But we the, can do that in the in the in the, in the, the description. Right. So, so done, tell us about yeah, it. Yeah. So um, uh, Google, have you have you ever messed around with Google? Oh, oh yeah, quite a. Bits. It's so much fun. It is fun. It's, it's <laughs> phenomenal. Um, so you can do these virtual tours where you can um, you can organize place marks and, and kind of fly through different places. Mm-hmm. And so um, my hope is to over the coming years is do a number of these kind of archaeological tours okay. of places mainly in the Greco Roman world. And so i've done a couple of them i've done a dodona
0: so so yep. what, what does it involve really are you narrating yes while the using your, your droll witty commentary uh, something while like that. we fly through the different parts of the site right
1: so um these are things you can do manually so okay. um you can kind of click through them but what you, what i've done is i, I go to uh, the archaeological site um you of look at okay what are the key the, mm-hmm. the key sites um, uh, in the in the landscape right and then for each place mark I try to have a few photographs okay a short description of, of kind of why this site is important mm-hmm. and then um, and so it's something that someone who's interested could go through manually on their own okay. just and click through but then I've also um, uh, videoed them okay using you know kind of uh, screen capture mm-hmm. uh, software and do do a kind of a fly through a walkthrough and right. I kind of narrate and, and, and take the audience kind of uh, through a tour
0: of a particular site. It sounds fascinating. Is there is there any scratch and sniff involved?
1: There's not. I don't. The the, the tech hasn't gotten okay that, that good yet. So but. when
0: we're going through Lausis, we can't you know really find out what it smelled like. Can smell the incense
1: burning. That's whatever, right. right, there. Or the uh, no, not yet. Okay. Um, but I've done a couple. Of, I've got. I've done a tour through Dodona. Dodona, yeah. Oracle yep. of Zeus, and then
0: also I just we we were there together. Remember, we, we were. It's In one of my favorite spots. 2011. Yes. Yep.
1: Um and another place we've been to together, uh, Epidaurus. Oh um, yes, the healing sanctuary
0: of Asclepius. That's right. So the I just big finished tribe. that one yesterday. So um
1: yeah. Um, uh, yeah, let's put it on the website and, Absolutely. and people can check it out, right? That
0: sounds like an excellent project.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I'm hoping that these two are two of, of many that I'll do sometime, Right. But it's a it's a it's a lot of work.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. So what are we up to today?
1: We are uh, finishing up book ten of the Aeneid, mm-hmm. right? And, um and it's bloody. Okay. And it gets gory. Did you I mean there's just kind of one one dead body after another yes. in the second half here? It's a toll. It takes a toll. It does. It's very Iliadic, but mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna do our best to get to the end of book ten today. That's
0: correct. So, yep. And um I think you have the opening quote. Is that right, Chad? I, I do. No shout-out today. No shout-out. Okay, no shout we, we think people are listening. The numbers actually I think you and I are probably the only ones concerned about this. Maybe yeah. the sponsors are. But uh, the numbers have gone through the roof in the last couple of weeks. They've, they've I, done really well. I
1: looked at it yesterday. It's yes. very impressive. So we have thank, again thanks
0: to everybody. We're who's, very grateful who's for all you in. who are listening. Yes.
1: Yes, I do have the opening quote here. This okay. comes from an article by one Tim Stover mm-hmm. uh, from the journal Phoenix uh, 2011. Uh, and his article is entitled, Aeneas and Lausus, Killing the Double and civil war in Aeneid 10.
0: Killing the double.
1: Yes. Okay. So I'm not sure what to make of this. I'm, okay. I'm very curious to hear what you think of this when we get so to I it. So I think yeah. it's
0: going to be Aeneas and Lausus. Lausus is Aeneas's double? Yes. Okay.
1: And Aeneas kills him. Lausus okay. is, is, is presented as a, as a young and mostly innocent young man, mm-hmm. uh, man and Aeneas kills him and um it's it's tragic for everyone involved
0: Mm -hmm. do you remember those old gum commercials which ones the double mint oh yeah Yeah. where they had lots of twins right and they have these twins strolling around chewing gum
1: yeah i remember that It
0: was pretty persuasive it was
1: exactly sure (laughs) like if if those twins can enjoy it maybe i can maybe i can
0: (laughs) by myself right But Aeneas <laughs> yeah. and Lausus, they'd they'd be chewing some double mint. That's it, the idea.
1: Exactly. Maybe I'll chew, have a have a chew before Aeneas turns and kills him. Right. Something like that. Just so
0: stroll around the plains of Lazio. <laughs> right. So this is 2011. Uh, Tim yeah. Tim Stover yes. from uh, Phoenix, yes. right? He, okay. And
1: he writes after Aeneas has mortally wounded Lausus. So this is a there's a this is one of the many deaths. Uh, this comes towards the end of Book 10, mm-hmm. where um, Lausus is a as a young man uh, who kind of steps between Aeneas and uh, Lausus's father Mezentius. Right. And um, uh, ends up getting killed uh, for, his, uh, for his trouble. So after Aeneas has mortally wounded Alausis, uh, the Trojan warrior em- empathizes with the young Etruscan, largely because he sees much of himself in his opponent. Mm. And this is from starting with lines uh, 821. I'll give you the translation that, okay. that Stover gives. Um, but when the son of Anchises, Aeneas, saw the features and face of the dying youth, a face wondrously pale, he groaned heavily in pity and held out his right hand, and the picture of his own loyalty to his father came to mind what poor boy can aeneas the true, give you in return for these fine deeds of yours what can he give you worthy of so great a nature
0: hmm. so that's the translation of harrison the note tells us. yes harrison yes yes within, within the article right but the translator always has to give get some credit here now maybe that's a self-interested argument but
1: but it's important okay yeah <laughs> um and then Stover, uh, the pietas displayed by Lausus, who had intervened in an attempt to save his father, Mezentius, clearly affects Aeneas, who is reminded of his own pious love for his father, Anchises. As Lausus dies, Aeneas realizes that he and the young man have something in common, that is, pietas. And this moves Aeneas deeply. Aeneas has, in fact, killed his doppelganger.
0: I, I oh, I love that but, word. Isn't that a great word? It is.
1: Those Germans, they have a word for everything. They can
0: do some things really well. <laughs> he killed his doppelganger.
1: Yes, his double. However, critics have largely failed to recognize the manner in which Virgil employs etymological wordplay to reinforce the sameness of Aeneas and Lausus. This article seeks to elucidate the etymological dimensions of the Aeneas Lausus episode and to connect Virgil's etymolo- etymologizing here to some of the broader themes of the epic. Okay. So I'm not all that interested in Stover's kind of his ultimate argument. Right. But I really just I what I liked in the quote is is calling attention to this doubling. Yeah. And um and it's kind it's odd so. Um, this comes after a long series of where Aeneas is kind of killing everything in his path, mm. and without any kind of sympathy or compassion mm-hmm. for anyone.
0: Right, he's just and mowing them he's down. He's mowing
1: them down, and he, as we'll see, he's even kind of gathering up young men for a human sacrifice. Yeah. And then Lausus, this episode seems to kind of break that spell momentarily, okay. and uh, it's a, it's where the action kind of comes grinding to a halt. Mm. Um, and it's very, it's very strange. Hmm. So, yeah, what does Aeneas exactly see here? What is he doing? And so,
0: to, just to set the stage, make sure we all have the details straight Aeneas is fighting against Mezentius. Yes. And Mezentius has a son named Lausus. Yes. And right as Aeneas is about to kill Mezentius, the father, mm-hmm. the son Lausus intervenes between them. Yes. And makes a plea, right? He does. Yeah. And then uh, Aeneas kills him, but then he has this remorse, kind of, because he Instant recognizes, regret. Yes, yep. recognizes himself in Laususus. I like the way Harrison uh, translated Pius because here we have in line 826, quid Pius Ieneas Pius Aeneas. He says uh, Aeneas the true. The true. That's how he describes you like himself. that? I do. Yeah. For the sake of variety, it's a good way to translate Pius. Right. Uh, but to the main point, I think it's obvious that Virgil is emphasizing this familial or this filial piety, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's it's really almost a trope in literature that when the hero dispatches the villain, The hero does so somewhat reluctantly because he sees himself in that character, you know, kind of a there but for the grace of God, go I. I had Mm -hmm. all these gifts. He has all these gifts. At some point in my life, I turned down, you know, the left fork in the road. Yeah. The villain turned down the right fork in the road. But if I had made a slightly different choice, I think this is how the trope works. Yeah. I could have been on the receiving end. You know, of the own of the justice that I am myself meeting out. Right. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. No.
1: Definitely. I, I think that I think that's. Um. I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to think of this. Um. Of course, in relationship to the Iliad. You know where. You yeah. Know, how is Homer being played here? Um, and so, you know, with Achilles, yeah, um, I can, you know, there. I think of two significant moments where he is reminded of his father Peleus, and right. one, one is when Phoenix comes to see him in, in the embassy, correct, right? Book uh, Nine, Book Nine, um, and then second, and, and perhaps more importantly, is when he uh, gives Hector's body back. Yes, and he sees pri- uh, Priam. 20,
0: 22? 22, I believe. Yeah, maybe a little later than that.
1: But I thought it was interesting that, um, so I definitely Virgil obviously is using that that trope here. Right. You know, um, it's when Achilles sees his own father in Priam that he kind of his humanity returns right I just thought it was striking that for Aeneas it happens on the battlefield it yes. happens in someone that he kills where with mm. Achilles that I don't I don't see him recovering kind of his humanity while he's no. being a warrior no and that's a I, I don't know what to I don't know why that's important but I just find it really striking
0: mm-hmm. I have a couple thoughts we'll see how, how valuable they are it's not book 22 book 22 is the death of Hector. 24, 24 is, is with, the scene in the, in the tent and the ransom of Hector's body. That's right. So that's I'm, right. I was wrong about that in the first go around. I think the difference is Aeneas is a hero of civilization, right? He has he is establishing the Roman people, Romanum Condoragentem. Mm-hmm. That's his brief. That's his task. So in some ways, it makes sense that it happens on the battlefield because he can never be completely surrendered to war hmm. in a way that Achilles can. Achilles is a force of nature, destructive in every way, and I think that the basic message of the Iliad is that nature uh, beats nurture, right? Hmm. Uh, Achilles is by nature the great man, and Agamemnon is by custom the usurper, right? Yeah. Law has put him in charge, but he doesn't deserve it. Right. So Achilles has to restore balance by showing that, no, the naturally better individual triumphs, yeah. and that's himself, although it leads to his death. Aeneas is doing something very different. He's not trying to um, defend his honor, per se. He's trying to protect all those who are traveling with him and give his uh, son a kingdom and a future. Yeah. So I think in that sense, it, it makes good sense to put this exchange on the battlefield to show that Aeneas is never completely surrendered to bloodlust.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, uh, that's, that's very well argued. I mean, there is also, of course, this other layer of fate that's involved. Right. It has such more of a heavy hand in the Aeneid than, than, than in the Iliad at all, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, as I was reading uh, this morning, the second half of book 10, um, as Aeneas is going out and just kind of slaughtering everything in his path, I kept thinking, well, how am I supposed to be interpreting this? Is right. is this Aeneas giving into a bloodlust? Is this a kind of that 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 the mainness of, of Achilles that we right. see, right?
0: Or are you supposed to have sympathy for him
1: as a as a puppet of fate, right? And because uh, there's uh, you know Jupiter breaks in and, and you know Juno, you know Juno pleads with with Jupiter, let, let me just. Let me just save Turnus from this, right. and he says, "You know, Turnus, his his numbers up. You know, you can right. maybe take him away for a little while, but you know, what's going to happen is going to happen." Right. And so, are we? Is that the lens we're also also supposed to see Aeneas's actions in the battlefield, That he can't. He has no choice, right. But to become kind of this temporary madman.
0: Oh, I think that's true. Okay. He he has to um, engage in Achilles-like behavior for a good portion of these latter books. In order to achieve his end, yeah, but it doesn't overwhelm him completely, and maybe that's what this Lausus episode shows us. Yeah, I think we can't talk about this without reference to the end of Book 12 and the death of Turnus. Yeah, and this is what you know uh, bedevils critics so much. Yes, does he in the end actually give in to bloodlust? Right, where's the sparing? Where is the the mercy that's supposed to be part of? His hallmark is Pius Aeneas.
1: Exactly. And if if uh, um just even the end of this of this book where mm-hmm. he ends with the death of Mezentius, right. um there is no compassion. Right. There's no word and Mezentius doesn't beg for his life, but he says, you know, um, bury me with my son. Right. Aeneas says nothing and just puts the sword in his throat. Right. Which reminds me a lot of kind of how the epic ends. That's correct. And so the Lausus episode in some ways it doesn't it does. Mm. it's not mirrored in how the epic ends. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Mm. And so that raises all kinds of other questions. you know, is, is is the epic unfinished? Yes, or is it saying something a little bit more? Sinister mm. about this whole notion of of, of fate in the founding of Rome. It's I, it's a,
0: so you're you're not veering to the revisionist interpretation necessarily that this is a subtle criticism of the Augustan regime and the the Pax Augusta.
1: And I've I've been convinced by you enough that i have kind of ste- I've stepped back from that
0: you're skeptical ledge. at least
1: because no, I'm I'm per- persuaded by the argument that no ancient Roman would have seen it in that kind of ways. So Doesn't it, seem so likely. I don't I, and I think you're right. And so that that's a very presentist, mm-hmm. um, uh, almost in some ways. Is judeo-christian way of looking at it right? Yes. But, but that's that's not a fair that's not a fair critique of virgil
0: or almost post enlightenment right because um democracy as the you know the best form of government yeah is a r- rather recent development right not not the fact of democracy but the view of it right? yes that there's a kind of basic equality and everyone gets a vote and any other kind of system of government is inherently totalitarian is, is a recent idea right and so I'm not sure that the ancient Romans felt the same way about the Pax Augusta as we do now at, at this time. Yeah. But still there has to be a there has to be a more moderate interpretation along the lines of even though Virgil thinks that the outcome is good, mm-hmm. you know, the the Roman peace he's not happy with all of the means right for getting there exactly and that's some of what we're seeing
1: right i think yeah, i mean I, virgil one of the things i like about virgil he's very honest about the cost of all the things, right, right? The, but that's a very different thing than saying that he's subtly saying that the roman empire
0: is a bad idea yeah that the cost is not worth it exactly mm-hmm.
1: right i think we're getting ahead of things
0: oh sure we're yeah. already at the end of well, book 12 you know
1: what i as i was reading this too as, as i wonder like you know, how much do we want to not talk about the end of the epic but you really can't it's impossible it's impossible i mean so much especially in book 10 i think you have to interpret in light of kind of the epic end so um it's too late for a spoiler alert but no uh, no everybody knows (laughs) Turnus
0: dies and it's largely unexplained yes here at the end of uh book 12 but in book 10 we have some more ground to cover we do we need
1: we do need to back up all right
0: right. so we're starting out about line 360 right so this is uh Three eighths of the way through. This is a long book. Yeah. And uh, Pallas sees his fellow Arcadians panic mm-hmm. and run from the Rutulians. Yes. Right. So Pallas is the son of Evander. Set the scene a little bit. Right. So he's
1: Aeneas is, has just returned from uh, Arcadia. Yep. And he has. He's Evander. bringing back allies. Uh, lots of allies. Lots of uh, Etruscan allies and Arcadians. And the Pallas, the son of Evander, is with him. And Pallas is itching to to kind of prove himself on the model. That's right. Yes.
0: It's interesting to me how Pallas fits in the dynamic with Aeneas and Ascanius. Ascanius is a little bit eclipsed here. He, by, dis-
1: he disappears.
0: Yes, by Pallas. Mm-hmm. Ascanius has his, you know, his debut uh, as a, a battle warrior and so forth. And it's it's more than the Trojan game where he was riding around in the little Shriner's car right, right, exactly. uh, in book five. Right.
1: And last time we saw him, he was in the shampoo commercial. That's right? correct.
0: <laughs> All's hair and love and war. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. 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 Uh, but now he's not really crucial to the plot. Instead, he's replaced by Pallas, by this kind of fill-in, who seems to be older in the story than Ascanius. I think of Ascanius as 13, 14, maybe.
1: Still too young to, to take his place by yes. his father's side on the field. To
0: really contribute. He's he's not as old as Telemachus right? in, right. in the Odyssey. Telemachus mm-hmm. is 18-ish. Yes. Right? And so Pallas seems like he's more around the age of 16 or 17, just right in that spot where kind of stuck a little bit between boy and man, yeah. f- figuring things out. Yep. Uh, but nevertheless, he gets a lot of screen time. He
1: does, right? And I think I, last episode, I think you said, we were talking about, you know, so why, why does Pallas play this role? And right. And you were talking about how, I think it was important for Virgil to have this role played by a local Italian. Yes. And then you were also saying, th- talking about you know, Pallas, in, in in addition to that, he's a surrogate son. Yes. Arceus. And so he, he plays a role that Ascanius really can't. For what Virgil is trying to say and accomplish, right,
0: here. right. Well, one of the other interpretations for those who see a sexual interpretation or a sexual element in virtually every relationship, yeah, right. And I'm not one of those persons. <laughs> yeah. uh, but on the on the theory that the relationship between Achilles and Patroclus. Is not merely platonic. Mm-hmm. This has been suggested for Aeneas and Pallas as well.
1: Really? What? Mm-hmm. Okay, that would be a whirlwind romance because they haven't known each other that long.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't find that persuasive. I don't. I don't b- because Virgil doesn't talk about it. No. Uh, but I suppose it's, it's worth being aware that is one of the interpretations.
1: Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So um, uh, so Pallas sees his fellow Arcadians. Uh, mm-hmm. They panic uh, in the face of this this onslaught of the enemy. And he gives a great rallying speech and and kind of shames them back into the order and. And he says, you know, honor demands that we ro- go where the battle line is the thickest. Follow me. We're not fighting gods here. Right. What are we going to do? Run off to Troy? Like, right. Well, well, yeah. Are you, are you are you men or are you mice? Right. And that's what kind of yeah, fires them up and turns them around.
0: Yeah. That was so inspiring, Jeff. I have to pause here for a second. I want to rush into war here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, Pallas goes first. He goes uh, headlong into that. And uh, he has a, kind of a mini day of his mm-hmm. He's, He kills lots of, of named warriors on the mm-hmm. other side. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, I even found some, some of these lines as, um, having a kind of dark, maybe it, it, it speaks to my own kind of twisted oh, sense of humor. No,
0: I think there's definitely, um, an element of the Macabre here. You want to read a little bit of the, uh, Lombardo? <laughs>
1: right. So this is in the midst of, of Pallas's killing spree. And Virgil says, and you too, Laredes and Thimber, twin sons of Daucus fell on the Ritulian plain. As boys, you were indistinguishable from each other. A sweet perplexity to your parents. I think got twins, you know, yes. messing with with people. It's right? double meant once again. <laughs> exactly, so, but Pallas made you easy to tell apart. <laughs> Lopping off your head, Thimber, with a vander sword, while your severed hand longed for you, Lauredes. Its dying fingers shifting their grip on your sword. Yeah. So it's, it's easy to tell that Thimber's the one without the head.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Larades is the one whose severed hand is gripping the sword and the fingers are still are moving. I'm still twitching. Now any I I challenge anyone to tell me to to convince me that this is less evocative and compelling than some Hollywood CGI.
1: Oh, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean this yeah. is
0: so disturbing because right. now I have that image lodged in my mind, but it's an image of my own creation because I know what a hand is, mm-hmm. I know what a sword is. I don't think I've ever seen an actual severed hand, thankfully, but some people have, you know, doctors and soldiers and people in accidents, but I can, I can put the image together in my head and now it's, it's stuck Mm -hmm. in a way that seeing, you know, endless cinematographic um, slaughter. Leaves almost no impression.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, right? Once, once, kind of the the director and the cinematographer had decided this is what it looks like, right? Well, then you've robbed, right. You know, the infinite images that you know uh, an individual reader could bring to the right bring to the scene. Right? Yeah, it is gruesome. It's gruesome. <laughs> and <laughs> Virgil's
0: great at it. And it reminds me also of of um, there's an episode in Herodotus. I, I I didn't check, but I think it's it's the naval battle of of Salamis. I think that's where it is. And he's talking about the hand to hand combat between the Persians. And uh, the Greeks, you know, when their ships came into close proximity, and there's one particular fellow who, um, it's a Greek, he grabs part of the prow of the Persian ship and he gets his hand severed with an ax and the hand's is still gripping there. Oh, the, really? Yes. Yeah. So even in, even in prose, right, you can bring in some of the gruesome and the grotesque uh, for memorable reasons. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great, gory stuff. So the battle goes on. It goes mm-hmm. back and forth. The, Ar- the Arcadians are up, then the Rutulians are up, um, but it's it's coming down to uh, a duel. So
0: it's a little bit like a soccer game, yeah, yeah. You might say, yeah, it's long and involved. There's lots of action. It's fast paced. But the outcome remains unclear, right? Pretty much till near the end. Some people, uh, um, I tried to say that without any kind of. <laughs>
1: right. Some people say, "Was it a soccer game? Lots of action?"
0: Well, okay. <laughs> they call it the beautiful game. They do, yeah. Right. And my understanding is that if you understand it, which I don't, yeah, the you know the feats of athleticism and the intricacy of the coordination is incredible. Yeah. But still, you don't really know what's happening till the very end.
1: Right. Right. No. Yes. Yeah, so no. I. I. I kind of got. it. Did you watch any of the World Cup this this past uh, um,
0: well, December? Do you do you want to lose half the audience? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I'm just curious. No, I didn't. Okay. It, right.
0: It's not because. What, what? What is it not because? I, I didn't. Okay.
1: Yeah. Did uh, you? I'm. I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I. <laughs> I watched. I watched it and I actually enjoyed it a lot. I thought oh yeah. It was fascinating. But it does. It. It. It requires a patience. Right.
0: Yeah. I just brought it up as similar to this battle. Sorry. <laughs> One side is up, the other side is up. Okay. There's lots of really vigorous activity. Yeah. But there's really no clear outcome until you get right near the end.
1: Okay. Like a like a lacrosse match. Yeah. Lacrosse. There you go. Yeah. All right. All right. Um But it comes down to uh, uh, this duel between Turnus and Paris. Okay. And so. Um, so this is
0: Hector. This is Hector destroying
1: Patroclus. Pat- Patroclus, Exactly.
0: Um, an accident.
1: Yes. Exactly. Uh, how about a little Latin here? I'd
0: love you? to do that. So this is line. 439 lines 439 and following and it goes something like this Interia sor or alma monet sucire lauso turnum qui wallo curru curdru meri um secat agmen ut we dit soki ostempus de sister pugnai solus agin palanta feror so li mihi palas debe tur cooper drip spectatur spectator adacet done thank you
1: and lombardo translates uh, thusly Turnus had a sister, the nymph Juturna, who warned him now to bring aid to Lausus. The hero split the ranks with his swift chariot and called to his men, Stand down from battle. Pallas is mine and mine alone. I only wish his father could watch. Oh. wants me to die before a It's chilling. Yeah, yeah, it
0: is very chilling. Yeah, so what is the, uh, what is the Homeric description of war? In wartime, uh, fathers bury their sons, yeah. right? Instead of vice versa, that's, right. what, that's what makes it unnatural. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so this is, a, you know, a subtle illusion uh, or reference to that idea. If you make the father watch the son's death, it's all the worse. It's
1: all the worse. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, it's a great dual scene. Uh, you want to read a bit of the 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 the, uh, the scene from Lombardo's translation?
0: Yes, let's do that. Okay. So this is Lombardo. This was how Turnus charged. When Pallas thought he was within spear range, he began his own charge, hoping to balance this mismatch and strength with daring and luck, and he prayed to bright heaven. I beseech you, Hercules, by the welcome you received in my father's house, come to me now and help me in my need. Let Turnus see me strip the bloody armor from his dying limbs, victorious over him as his eyes close in death. Hercules heard the boy's prayer and stifled a heavy groan, shedding useless tears. Jupiter addressed his son with fatherly words. Each has his own day. Brief is the time and irretrievable the life of every man. Yet to lengthen fame by deeds is the task of valor. Under Troy's high walls fell many sons of gods, my Sarpedon among them. Fate calls Turnus too, and he has reached the end of his allotted years.
1: Now I thought this, this was really interesting. Um, so uh, we talked about that the connection between Hercules and the Arcadians, right? right. He had been hosted there, mm-hmm. and so that's apparently why Pallas prays to Hercules. Correct. But Hercules immediately knows that Pallas can't be helped. Right. He doesn't even respond. But I thought it was interesting that that um, Jupiter's response was, "Hey, you know, you know, fate you know governs us all." Um, but he, what he doesn't say is that you know, sorry, Pallas' time is up. He says Turnus's. Right. Up. Right. So I don't know if that's a, just a bit, little bit of misdirection on Virgil's part, is because um, I'm surely the, the, his audience would have known
0: right. the story. Oh yes.
1: Right. So this isn't isn't like oh we're expecting Turnus to die, but oh no, it's Pallas instead. Right. But I thought it was it was just really striking that Jupiter frames answers Hercules to saying basically saying yes, Pallas is is going to die, but he says no, Turnus is right. going to die soon too.
0: Yeah. yeah. So he starts. I think that's that's astute. Um. He starts with these platitudes what, what did you think of these platitudes each has his own day brief is the time and irretrievable the life of every man
1: yeah, it sounds like a bad pop song <laughs> is, yeah. it,
0: is it supposed to uh, comfort Hercules those kinds of those kinds of statements on the on the part of Jupiter because there's a there's a really quick scene shift right we have Pallas praying to Hercules and then uh, Virgil zooms us up to Olympus mm-hmm. and shows us Hercules interaction with Jupiter -hmm And I guess Hercules can't answer the prayer because he already knows what's going on with fate. Right. And then Jupiter comforts him.
1: I guess so. I mean, I think the fact that he mentions Sarpedon is supposed to remind us of Iliad 18. Yes. Where uh, I think we talked about this in earlier Right. but when Zeus steps aside and allows fate to take Sarpedon, right. he weeps and his, his tears fall like blood on the plain of Troy. Right. It's almost like Zeus said, Hey, listen, you know, I've gone through this. Right.
0: We all lost somebody. We all lost somebody. Hercules. Right? So,
1: so Hercules is the one weeping now. Right. And Zeus is kind of saying, Well, you know, I went through this too. Right. You just got to deal with you it. You got to deal
0: with it. Yeah. I think the mention of Turnus. Um, it could possibly serve this purpose. He's saying, um, don't think that Turnus's murder of Pallas, which is unavoidable, um, will go unavenged.
1: So that he's trying to make Hercules feel better by, Correct. Mi- by mentioning Ternus. By
0: mentioning Turnus, He's trying to make him feel like, okay, I know it seems really bad that the the young kid that just prayed to you, Pallas, everybody's mm. favorite, He's yeah. going to be murdered. But don't worry. Fate calls Turnus too. And he's at the end of his rope he's going to get some comeuppance. Gotcha. Yeah. But that could only be, I think that could only be satisfying and comforting, uh, to gods like this. Yeah. I don't think this would be satisfying to real people. Right. Or to gods that were, you know, righteous and fair. Right. This seems quite, um, yeah. unsatisfying. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I don't know.
1: It got kind of, it, it, I don't know why this just popped into my head, but it reminds me of, um, of, uh, like traditions at at um, at West Point, mm-hmm. where the you know, the freshmen they have to be you know, seriously hazed by the upper class. Right. right? And they they are comforted by the fact that they said, "Well, you know, don't feel you know it's bad right. now, but when you get older, you get to do this to You'll other people." You'll be the hazer. right? Exactly. Right. And I always said that I don't want to do that either. <laughs> right? right? That's
0: very good. That's a very good <laughs> analogy. The thing that popped into my mind um, was that these, these these persons whose family members you know are are murdered or otherwise. Mistreated and the the crimes go unsolved Hmm. for a very long time, right? Sometimes when the when the um, Perpetrator is finally brought to justice The family members have a real sense of satisfaction Even though, you know, the the one they lost can never be brought back, right, but they feel a sense of satisfaction That the perpetrator the criminal has finally faced justice. Yeah, and um, you know, I've never been in that position thankfully but I think those those who are too quick to uh, dismiss that as bloodlust or mm. immoral, I think they're not really human, yeah,
1: right yeah, yeah, yeah
0: they're not really human if they say things like that. Yeah of course you'd be satisfied. yeah and uh, so maybe
1: that's it taps into that right that to, element. to speak yeah. to
0: the other side, you know may, maybe um, this is how Jupiter is comforting Hercules. yes, some sense of justice.
1: yeah, 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 uh, agreed. So Turnus he uh, in the in the battle he kills Pallas mm-hmm. um, and here again like, Turnus is playing the Hector role right and and so again with comparison with the Iliad Turnus in some ways is he's acting a bit more civilized than right. than Aeneas does he says that um, I will give the body um, back to Evander so you know despite what Turnus just said you know I wish I could kill him in front of his father once the deed is done he says I will return the body body to Evander for burial um, but he says the Arcadians are they're gonna you're gonna pay. For teaming right. up with Aeneas, and do, do you, uh, you think
0: this is more misdirection? Virgil, okay, one minute, one minute, Turnus is Hector. The next minute, he's an Achilles because he's returning the body, but he's more gracious.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. I think, I think that if you play that kind of that one-to-one game, you just drive yourself crazy. I think that's right. So right. It's, if you just say, well, you know, in this book, uh, Aeneas is Achilles, right, and uh, full stop. Turnus is Hector. Full stop. It doesn't really work out that
0: way. No, it doesn't. And,
1: and I think that also kind of it robs Virgil of of some of his uh, his genius. That's a brilliant right?
0: point. Yeah, he he can reference characters. He can create his own characters from Homeric types. Right. They don't have to match up.
1: Exactly. Right. Right. So, and then, but then we have the the business of the sword belt,
0: the baldric, the baldric. Yes. Right.
1: And this is what Turnus strips off Pallas' mm. body for a trophy, and it's something that yeah. um, Virgil calls attention to, it saying that this is. Uh, here, um, you know, Turnus in many ways is pounding the nail into his own coffin yeah. by doing this. I think yeah.
0: it's Balteus. I think is the word. Balti- is that the Latin Baltius, for the, for yes. the from yep. which Baldrick mm-hmm. surely must come. I think so, but right. please, mm-hmm. don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the embroidered. You know, it's got beads on it and other things a little spot for your cell phone maybe
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> for your chapstick right you re- <laughs> you repel if you had to go down you know uh side of a building exactly all that stuff it's in your there.
1: swiss army bald right?
0: that's correct right
1: um
0: you're gonna read a little bit of the. yes uh,
1: because i think it's, Lombardo it, here? it's important not just that he's you know he's stripping a trophy off of palace um but what's on mm-hmm. the belt um, this this i think this will be also become interesting to talk about once we get to book 12. But Lombardo translates, uh, Turnus spoke, embracing his left foot on Pallas' corpse. He tore away the massive belt, engraved with crime. Um, I think the, the, the Latin there is actually nefos. So oh, It's yeah. not just a crime. It's, a, it's, a, it's like the most... Unspeakable. An unspeakable trespass, right? Right. And this is the crime. The sons of Aegyptus, Egyptus murdered by Adonius' daughters on their nuptial night. Their room, the room's reeking with blood. The work of Clonus, son of Eurytus, who chased it in gold. Turnus now exulted in this belt and gloried in its possession. Mm. Now here's one of those things I get like with Homer, I give Virgil the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't throw things in there for the sake of throwing them in there. No. Why does he call attention to tell us what, what myth is on the baldric? Mm-hmm. And it's this famous story where Egyptus um, he's marrying off his fifty daughters right. to fifty bridegrooms. Um, they they don't want to do it, and forty nine of the fifty on the nuptial night kill. Yeah, the and then they are they are doomed to the underworld to, of of uh, trying to fill this leaky cauldron that will never be filled. Mm-hmm. Um, why this story? Mm. Um, and do you have any kind of immediate thoughts on well, that?
0: Well, first reason, yes, it's an implement of war, right? The belt is an implement of war. Yep. So you're not going to put on your belt, you know, scenes of poppies and daisies and rainbows and people <laughs> drinking coffee.
1: <laughs> Although like, on Achilles' shield, you had people, uh, you know, farming. And dancing, yes,
0: that, but you also had a picture of the city at war and the city at peace. Okay, I think that's a good counterpoint. Yes, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna maintain the value of my argument by saying the shield of Achilles is other than all other kinds. You know, it stands alone. It's sui generis. Yes. of all the different kinds of battle implements. Okay, Now, you may not grant me that, but that's that's what I'm gonna cling to. Okay, so that's the first point. You have to have something intimidating. Intimidating. This is why apotropaic, right? Mm-hmm you got to have something like the head of Medusa, one of the Gorgons, okay. on your shield. Yes. Right?
1: That's right. That's why, it's why you don't name a football team the Daisies. That's correct. Okay. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Right. This is why when people name their cars or, you know, Western gunslingers, they name their guns. They, they don't yeah. give them nice names. Right. They're supposed to be threatening. Right, right. That's the first reason.
1: Okay. So in your, sec- your, your second reason? I don't
0: have one. Okay.
1: So now th- that's interesting. I mean, that's the very, that's the kind of the, I think that's the practical on the ground. Okay. Realist answer. So I'm much more interested though, of course, in a narrative answer.
0: I know you are, but right. I didn't have one okay. for you. <laughs> right. okay. And I was just going on and on about those examples just to stall for time.
1: Well. Um, I th- could there what be st- do you think, well, Dr. Well, I'm not exactly sure. It, I'm thinking that okay, um, the the business of of Aeneas kind of interrupting the 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 would be marriage mm-hmm. of Turnus, are we supposed to be be reminded of a kind of a wedding gone wrong?
0: Oh yes. Uh,
1: that is that is that there? yes.
0: Um, I don't think that you're seeing things that aren't there. Okay. I think you're seeing something that is there. Okay. This is the scene of a wedding gone wrong, and that is precisely what. Um, Aeneas as Paris now, right? He's he's acting like Paris. He's stealing someone else's bride. Yes. He's stealing Lavinia away from Turnus. Right. Who had done everything correct.
1: Right. And so in so in this is it's a foreshadowing of Turnus's own death. He becomes one of the would-be bridegrooms that's murdered before he can get married. Or 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 I guess. Okay.
0: I guess. So um. The other thing is yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please, please. Well, it just seems like um <clears throat> the way that uh, the, the translation reads here. Turn is now exalted in this belt and gloried in its possession. He has too much attachment to this thing. This is a little bit unnatural. Mm. He's glorying in it too much, the bloodlust and the prize. So
1: it's a hu- it's hubris.
0: Yes. You're supposed to take some trophy from the one you've slain, mm-hmm. and this happens, you know, all the time in the Iliad. It's constant, right? Yeah. But you take his you take his Rolex, right? Or I don't know if he's got a nice pair of shoes. You take his Air Jordans or yeah. something like that, but you don't take the sword belt from around his waist. It's kind of, uh, it's, it's too intimate and he rips it off. And um, it it make, turn-
1: yeah, it makes me think of like a, like a, a big time wrestler holding up the, like the belt yes. as, you're, as you're entering the ring. That's kind of right. saying, look how great I am. Right. It's that. It's the, it's not just, so it's, you're saying it's like that would be a trophy you wouldn't take.
0: It seems to me, not and I don't have any he, he, hard evidence for this, but it seems like it's it's going too far. Okay. It's kind of like what Nisus and Urialis were doing on the night of their oh, right. carnage. Right, right, right. You know, take yeah. some stuff. Yeah. You know, you you, um, you have a heroic exploit. You deserve some kind of uh, reward. Yeah. But, but don't overdo it.
1: Don't overdo it. And then when, if you do do it, don't exalt it and
0: kind of you know, twirl it over your head.
1: And, right. You You're know?
0: just asking <laughs> for Nemesis to swoop down and crush you.
1: Right. Now, just to get, as foreshadowing when we get to the end of the epic... I remember having a discussion in graduate school we were, we were reading the end of book 12 mm-hmm. and it's when Aeneas sees the belt of Pallas. That's right that's where he kind of snaps that's right right And um, it's the catalyst the, uh, the traditional answer to well, you know why does that make him snap uh, is where well, he's reminded of Pallas mm-hmm. and his attachment to Pallas and that, that kind of that revenge takes over and he kills Turnus right. But I remember having this discussion where somebody in the in the seminar was said, well, could it be? It's not just that he sees this belt and he remembers about to palace. That he sees this scene, and it's that scene. It's the myth that kind of drives him over the edge, as well as its connection to palace. Hmm. And could and, and that's why Virgil kind of plants that seed here in book ten. And the, the the careful reader or the careful listener will remember. Okay, what is exactly is he seeing at the end? Hmm. And could that have some kind of direct response on? On the character and he is beyond that it's just oh that's palace um i'm reminded of his death and now i've got to take revenge right so i don't know the answer to that yeah. i just think yeah. I, thought that was, I, I, I don't remember where the discussion went but i thought that that's really interesting
0: hmm. speaking of really interesting yeah it's time for the ads let's do it
1: this episode of odd nauseam is brought to you by ratio coffee ratio coffee Man, I love my Ratio Eight. Yes. Yes. I'm, Tell I'm, me more. I'm jumping right into it. This, okay. This morning, I ground my beans. I I bought fairly recently um one of the uh, the metal cones. Nice. It sits.
0: It rests, It's great, isn't it, it? It's wonderful. It's better. It's better than the paper ones. Way better. Some purists will say it's a different flavor, but no, I don't think so. I, I disagree. No.
1: But it it sits nicely right in the top of my hand blown glass carafe. Um, it's uh, it's so simple. I hit I hit the button. Right. Um, you got, you bloom. I bloomed. You, I brewed, you and, brewed? It, and it was ready. And you were ready. Yep. And I brought up a, a, a cup up to my wife oh, on, on the second floor.
0: Nice. And, did uh, you let her drink it or did you just bring it up there?
1: I wafted it in front of her nose okay. and snatched it away. Took it back down and dumped it in the sink. <laughs>
0: exactly right. Yeah. yeah. You cad.
1: <laughs> but... Um, Yes, and it's, it's all possible because of these Great. wonderful machines mm. that, that Ratio mm. Ratio makes. Mm. Um, so um, you, you have
0: an opinion on Ratio, Dave? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. that's a very good one. Yeah. My, uh, my machine is almost four years on now. and still running like a dream? It's running like a, spinning like a top. All right. Yep. I mean, no machine is going to be entirely free from signs of wear and tear. Yeah. But most people just, you know, kind of at a glance, they'd never know it wasn't just directly out of the box. Yeah. And the function is perfect. Mm-hmm. It hasn't changed at all in function. Yeah. Really good. Yep. So I got a little limerick here.
1: Oh, you, oh, you do? Yeah, and let's, okay. let's
0: play a little game here, and let's, right. let's see what happens. So um, <clears throat> this one is about coffee, and uh, it goes like this. In the early morning I wake, and the world is still half awake. I need a strong brew to start my day anew. Coffee, my love, give me a break. Did I write this? What do you think? I really hope you didn't write oh, it. Tell me why. Uh, because it's it's awful. In what ways? It, it's, I agree with you, but in what ways?
1: Um, it's it's simplistic. Okay. It's trite. The rhyme the rhymes are obvious. For example, yes. In the
0: early morning, I wake. Yes. And the world is still
1: half awake. W- rake, rhyming wake with awake is that's lame. It, that's it something
0: is. Madonna would do. Exactly. <laughs> I right. think. Right. And and what about the rhythm? I need a strong brew. I need a strong brew. To start my day is a wrong number of syllables. Mm-hmm. One is five. One is six. And what about the end?
1: The, the last line makes me want to punch it in the face if right. I had one. Coffee, my love. Give, do, me, give a, me a break. You, I yeah. Don't, yeah so terrible. who do you think wrote this? Well, I think I know who wrote it. Because it's written on there. Yeah, you want to reveal
0: to the audience. Yeah, it's uh, chat GPT.
1: So this is the best our AI this can come up AI. with. This is AI.
0: And I thought, you know, I really need some material for the ad read. Yeah. I'll go to chat GPT, generative pre-trained transformer, and uh, I'll see if they can write a limerick. So I put in, write a limerick about coffee. Yeah. And I was disappointed in the results. Let me say. Right,
1: Uh, and and as am I. Mm. I'm kind of sad that we had to go through that. But sorry, uh, sorry. But but we're gonna do
0: it again in a minute.
1: (laughs) but the uh the the other side of the coin of the of, of this right? terrible limerick is the great stuff that ratio uh oh you uh, want to go buys. back to the product I, I do want to go back to the before product, we go back to the product yes just,
0: we're just i'm not out of a job yet okay right because my limericks no. aren't great but i can beat this Oh, yeah. so i'm okay for now
1: you're okay for now, all right, right exactly. so
0: let's tell the uh the listeners about the coupon code
1: right so if you go to ratiocoffee.com Uh, And if you want to pick up one of these machines, the Ratio 8 or the Ratio 6, you can type in the coupon code ANCO9Y.
0: And the Y stands for Yankovic. Of course it does. Like Weird Al. (laughs) Right? ANCO9Y.
1: And that will get you 15% off your entire order.
0: Check it out. This episode of Ad Nauseam is also brought to you by Hackett Publishing. Hackett is now in its 51st. 51st or 50. Or even
1: 52nd year, I believe. Second
0: year of business. They have offices in Cambridge MA and Indianapolis Inn, and they have been purveyors of fine books from the classics and many different eras of human learning for a long time now, Mm -hmm. and they are sponsoring this program for which we are very grateful. Jeff, what do you like about Hackett?
1: I love that their books are affordable. Yep. Um, every translation that I've used from from Hackett uh, for my for my own pleasure reading to right. have used in the class has been has been great. I've never had a student complain about it. And, really. And I actually I'm teaching the Odyssey right now right. in my myth class, and I had a student uh, come up to me and saying, you know, you dropped this big thick book on us, and I was I was dreading it. And he says, but I I am currently five books ahead of the class because i can't stop no reading it. that's yes. incredible right. And so she loves it and she you know she was saying i you know i love homer but you know yeah. part of that she loves lombardo's translation uh, it's so
0: important yeah. when you're introduced to a new author uh who didn't write in your mother tongue yeah to have a good translation yes. so that you can like it
1: yes it's uh,
0: incredible you also like the covers i think i do i love the cover that a little bit they're but, so
1: they're so clever and mm-hmm. they're so
0: inventive right um
1: yeah it, it's it's great it's great stuff now i We don't have another limerick. Yeah, we do. Okay. What is it? Well, here it goes. And uh,
0: we won't, we won't reveal who is the, uh, I'm putting in scare quotes, composer. Yeah. There once was a lover of books who read them in all sorts of nooks from the library to bed with a book for his head. He devoured them like tasty cooks. Did I write this?
1: I, I would I would refuse to believe that you could come up with such tripe. Okay.
0: Right? <laughs> so what is it exactly about it that you don't
1: like? It's 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 just, like, who read them in all sorts of nooks? Yeah. So, that
0: like, sounds very unpleasant.
1: Very unpleasant. She's just kind of finding little odd corners. Right. And is right? a
0: library a nook? Um, and is a bed a nook? I don't think so. No. And then no.
1: he devoured them like tasty cooks. Like, who's being eaten? Exactly. That's right? the
0: first thing I thought. Yeah. With a book for his head. So what? he's putting his head on the book and then he's devouring them like tasty cooks devour books or he's or devouring them like he devours tasty books, cooks and
1: right. even with a book for his head you could think of it in terms like he no longer he has a, he has a book in place for a head in his of his head yes right? you're right so um, so
0: it's not really well done is it this
1: is chat gpt again this is <laughs>
0: chat gpt <laughs> for the win i went to the website because you know they use websites for this kind of thing now jeff really is it all on the interwebs it's all on the internet yeah. Yep. And I entered this phrase: "Write a limerick about books." <laughs> this is what it and spit this, back. The subtext was save me from doing the work myself for our ad read. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what it spit back. Wow, man! So I think we're still safe.
1: Right, I think we are still safe. Right. right. I, mean, I was worried a little bit about you know AI taking over like oh. you know, like in like the Terminator.
0: Can they podcast? The... <laughs> you know, for example. Right. Probably. So
1: I'm, I'm feeling actually a lot better about it now.
0: <laughs> if this is what they can come up. This with. This is the best they can do. Right. But the best Hackett can do. Is to bring you really fine translations at an affordable price. Indeed. Jeff, can you read the coupon code?
1: Yes. Um, if you go to HackettPublishing.com, use this coupon code AN2023. Right. Yeah, so,
0: AN plus the current year. Yes. H-A-C-K-E-T-T. Hackett has two T's. Publishing.com. AN2023. What do they get, Jeff?
1: They get 20% off their entire order and free shipping. Wow. Check it out.
0: Okay, Jeff, as we get back into it now, yes. we're going to look at the rage of Aeneas. Yes,
1: he goes he goes full on Achilles berserk. He, he goes berserker mode. Yep. And he I mean he's raging through the lines, he's killing everything in his path. Um it, even like Achilles, he rounds up some young men for a human sacrifice. Mm. I mean, it's it is it is gruesome. Mm. So, I I think like even you uh, would what do you mean ha- even me? Well, you know, how we sometimes we we will disagree on kind of how we're supposed to kind of view the violence. I see, right? But I think like even you would say like the gathering up of the young men for human sacrifice, both by Achilles and Neas, we're not supposed to see that. Oh, yeah, well, that's what warriors do, and this is part no, of it. No, no, this his, is beyond the pale.
0: It's beyond the pale. Okay, Right. I
1: just wanted to make sure we were on the same
0: page. Yeah, right. you you right. could say I I what how I, what have I done? I even gruesome on the gruesome.
1: <laughs> nice. Thanks. Um. Yeah, so in the, the scenes, are, it's not just a, a Aeneas killing people, it's um, the way he responds to those who even right. beg for their lives. Right. And so I wanted to call attention to one scene where... Um, C- certain... Couldn't he spare some people? Right, right, right exactly. Um. So he, he encounters one um, Magus. Okay. And um, here, I'll, I'll just pick up Lombardo's translation. Magus falls at Aeneas's knee Aeneas' knees and begs for mercy, and Aeneas shows none. Um. Then he, Magus, fell in supplication at Aeneas' knees. By your father's ghost... And by your hopes for growing Eula, spare my life for my own son and father. Buried deep inside my high house lie talents of chased silver, masses of gold, wrought and unwrought. Troy's, Troy's victory does not turn on me. Um, one's life won't matter. All right. right. So he's he's, he's uh, so having already talked about like the, right. the, the Lausus episode. Right. Why is Magus is bringing up the fact that he has a, he's a father and he has a son? and mentions Eula. Why does that not?
0: I'll tell Soft, you why Soften his heart uh, He's not sincere about it oh,
1: And you think he's lying About the gold and the silver?
0: No, no I think he's lying about that I know I think he's honest about that mm. He's honest about the gold and silver But what he really wants to do Is he wants to buy Aeneas off
1: mm. Okay
0: right? uh, Buried deep inside my high house Like talents of chased silver Masses of gold Wrought and unwrought mm. He wants to buy him off And I think maybe This is what turns Aeneas' uh, stomach Okay if it were a pure um, pity appeal Maybe it'd be more moving Okay, but if it's mixed in with a kind of bribe, that's what kind of sullies it. I would think so. What about the you know, self-preservation?
1: Isn't the like the 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 physical act of kind of dropping and grabbing Aeneas's knees? Like even in Homer, you have that phrase like "by your knees." Oh, right, right? Isn't that you? Are you? You've kind of thrown away all of your your team, right? You've right. Thrown away your honor, but in, in at the very least, the gods seem to suggest that you should spare the
0: life. So yes. It's, yeah. It's, it's Two amazing. very famous supplication scenes. We should maybe talk about. Uh, The one is in the Iliad, of course, when it's book one, Thetis goes to supplicate um, Zeus Mm -hmm. on behalf of Achilles, right? Right. She uh, she kneels at his feet. She does two things. She grabs him by the knees Mm -hmm. and she puts her hand on his cheek. That's
1: right. That's right. right. So putting
0: the hand on the cheek is a gesture of real intimacy, right? How long have we been friends?
1: Um... Man, 20, F- 15, 20 15, years. Twenty years, yeah.
0: yeah. I don't think I've ever put my hand on your cheek. Yeah, and I hope no, not, no I hope vice versa. No,
1: and I hope that doesn't happen. I hope soon, not.
0: Right? <laughs> let's just let's not do that. Uh, it's it's too intimate, right? It's, yeah, it's real close, and and so Thetis does that. The other uh, supplication scene I'm thinking of is in Euripides' um, Hecuba, where uh, Hecuba, you know, is about to have herself and her daughters slaughtered by Odysseus, mm-hmm. and she holds on to his beard. Uh, touches his face while gripping his knees and so that's that's a suppliance gesture and right. you're right it you've let go of all teammates there's no more honor you're at the end of the rope but there's supposed to be a kind of mercy shown right in that extreme vulnerability exactly right?
1: no there might be a different i mean the, the two examples you chose involved women right so i don't know if there's uh, a i'm trying to think t- of a male between, example well i, I, oh, I ha- well it's... i have one from the odyssey that, okay that we can uh, that this reminds me of but i wonder if there's uh, if supplication acts differently if it's a male versus a female, supplement. I've never
0: thought about it. I'm sure there's a German dissertation on this. I'm <laughs> sure there is too. 350, you know, brilliant, close packed pages. Yeah. There is the suppliant scene in Iliad 24 we've already referenced mm-hmm. with um, Priam and um, Achilles. Achilles. Yep. And he does something like this. He grips the knees and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's intimate. Right. Um, I can't think of another. You, you had one in mind here. I know. have
1: one in mind. Well, well, let's let's see how Aeneas you responds keep, here. You want to keep
0: it in? Okay.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will I'll want to refer to it just in, in just a moment. Another uh, corollary. Um, you've seen The Godfather?
0: Yes. Right. So yes.
1: You, you come in, you, you kiss the ring. Oh, yeah. Right? And so that's kind of an act of supplication. Right. Kind of recognizing kind of who's in charge here. Mm-hmm. Um, But let me get to the, um how Aeneas responds. So picking up with Lombardo's translation. He spoke and Aeneas answered him, you can save all that silver and gold for your son's Turnus did away with such traffic and war when he took Pallas' life. This is the judgment of my father's spirit, of great Anchises, and of Ulysses, my son. With these words, he grasped Magus' helmet with his left hand, and bending back the suppliant's neck, buried the sword up to its hilt. Aye. Thus ends Magus. Right? right. And so this reminded me of um, a scene that I don't think has gotten a lot of attention in the Odyssey, um, is where the slaughter of the, the suitors is beginning. And Laotes is introduced um, just beforehand, and we learn that he's the soothsayer of the of the suitors. Oh, sooth. he
0: says sooth, huh?
1: He does say sooth. Yeah, so he's not really one of the suitors, but he hangs out with them. Right. And Homer tells us he was the one guy hanging out there who disapproved of, of how the suitors did things.
0: So he's really on the fringes. He's on the fringes, say. right?
1: And so, and I think Homer goes out of his way to raise a little sympathy for him, mm. right? Um, you know, at worst, guilt by association.
0: And he was probably on the fringes of the shroud business too.
1: Of the what? I'm sorry.
0: The shroud. You know that um, Penelope was. weaving. Oh, yeah,
1: exactly right. Way way off to the to the to the
0: side. That was supposed to be a pun. What? The fringes of the shroud. Oh, I, I missed it. Never it's mind. A fabric pun. Yeah, it's okay. kind of. A fabric pun it's just a it's just a pun about fabric
1: (laughs) can we move on okay all right and so uh and then a few pages later the slaughter's beginning odysseus finds laodes and laodes says you know grasps his knees right he says listen you know, I never, I never wanted to marry Penelope. Uh, you know, I always disapproved. You know, you know, please spare my life.
0: I just, I just happened to be here. I'm, I'm just, an innocent bystander. Right.
1: And Odysseus says something like, "You know, how? He goes, if you really were their soothsayer, you know, how? You know, uh, you should have seen this coming." Which is not <laughs> actually not a bad point. It's not a bad um, point. But he also says, you know, "How many nights must have you, you know, dreamt about, you know, taking taking Penelope, and you'd be the one she ran off with?" Which, as we've learned. That wasn't true at all, hmm. and he he cuts off Laodice's head as he's still speaking. Hmm. So there, how are we supposed to interpret that? And, hmm. and in that phrase, that you know, by well, your knees. We've already covered the idea. Odyssey, though. I know right? we have like
0: four hundred episodes. Ago. Right, <laughs>
1: it, right. No, that's a great yeah. question.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And so, do you think that uh, Odysseus was being cruel there? I do. Okay. I think that he, he should have spared Laodice. Um. Yes, I think he should have. I think you should. Um, so you think there is such a thing as an innocent bystander? Absolutely, of course. Well, let, let's say that there there's a person who's being robbed at gunpoint in his car, mm-hmm. and there are four out of town tourists standing opposite this guy, and they're filming the whole scene. Yes. Not running to help the guy while he's being robbed. Okay. That that could be a crime, right? In some small towns in Vermont or Maine or something like that. N-
1: not not stepping in. Right. As, as a as a crime. You're okay. not
0: getting the reference. This is Seinfeld, man.
1: Oh, that was like that was like the, the final, final episode. episode. I'm trying to forget
0: the final episode. Are you
1: really? It was horrible.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you don't like anything, do no, you? No, I Michael?
1: love Seinfeld, but not that, not the way it ended. Okay. Right. Um,
0: you don't like Starship. You don't you, like the final episode. Uh, Starship.
1: <laughs> well, okay, we, we can't go down that All path. Right. All right. Um, so, like I said, Laodice is guilty. Yes. But he's
0: is He it? had lots of opportunity yes. to, to interrupt the suitors, you know, to seek justice. He's just, he let it go. And now. He lose, now he, he lose, wants to be spared. He loses his he loses his head for that.
1: I, I I maybe that's a presentist argument, but I think Homer does want us to see an Odysseus who's kind of given over to the same rage that we see with the mm. here. It's kind of he it, the slaughters begun and he's not discriminating. He is shooting first and he's asking questions mm. later, or not even asking questions. He's just shooting first, and so um, I think this is this is kind of part and parcel of. Virgil wants to see an Aeneas here who is um, doing unseemly kinds of things. Mm. And then, then that, that like we discussed, you know, well, what's going on? Is he just a puppet of fate? Is he making a choice here? Is this an indictment of his character? Or is he just being kind of strung along by the gods? I mean, all of that, I think, are layers to kind of interpretation here. I
0: don't think it's number three. I don't think it's an indictment of character. Okay. As for one, two, and four, I'm not sure. Okay. The one that seems most likely is that he's being strung along by fate. Hmm. In the sense that this was required for founding Rome. So, although it's not completely consistent with his character to be so filled with uh, rage and bloodlust, mm-hmm. he has to do it in order to achieve his end.
1: Would you say the same thing with Odysseus then killing Laodice? It, it's just, it's no, it seems a different. casualty of war. No,
0: it seems different. Okay. Uh, for, for Odysseus, everything is personal. True. In, in a way that it isn't for Aeneas.
1: Right. Right, right, right. I mean, okay.
0: what what stands out is that the palace episode is is personal. Yeah. But most of this killing is, you know, pro forma, right?
1: Right. Or he even mentions here, he kills Magus because he's you're basically dying because Palace was killed. Right. And you're I'm just kind of you know um, gathering you all up in that same right in that same basket. Yeah.
0: Here's an analogy. Maybe I'll be brief, but um, you know, in the the uh, Tolkien movies, right, the mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings movies, all those endless orcs that are being slaughtered. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes, the great, the great staged battle scenes where all these people are doing stuff. There's something impressive about the scale, mm-hmm. but the actual fighting is is boring, hmm. right? Because these are not these are not persons with any story. They're they're just so subhuman. They're so right. monstrous. It's not really, there's there's really no interest in that.
1: They're all Ensign Johnson from the Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> exactly. Right? They're there to be dispatched. Correct. Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: so Virgil is a much better artist, obviously. Yeah. So he invests he, he invests the different characters with some background, but yeah. Aeneas still has to kill them. Right.
1: And so he gives a little bit of, of, of meaning here. Correct. He, he raises the pathos. So that's would, right. You get to meet Magus. Right.
0: right. Before he dies. Before he dies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Can I read some more Latin here? Yeah, please. Okay. So this is line, lines 557 and following. Istink nunc (laughs) metewende jake non taaptem amater condet humi patrio quana rabit membra sepulcro litibus buslinque referis out grgitem mersum Undiferet quim pasti vulnera lambent. Very nice. Thank you. Can you read some of the uh, Lombardo?
1: Right. So this is where, this is later, and is still kind of in the midst of his killing spree. He's, he, now he's, he's just killed uh, a man by the name of, uh, of Car- uh, Tarquitus. OK. And this is what he says uh, to the dead body. Right. He says, lie there, you hulk. Your sweet mother will never heap earth above you back home in your country. No, you will be left here for the vultures or thrown into the sea, rolled by waves, and hungry fish will nibble. At your wounds.
0: Well, that's awful! <laughs> Isn't that awful, right? <laughs> that last line is very, very disturbing.
1: But it reminds me of what um, you know, Achilles at least initially threatens to do with Hector's body. Says so, right. the dogs are gonna are gonna take it apart, mm-hmm. and then that's when he you know he changes his mind, decides to drag it around the, the city instead.
0: Yes, but the gods preserved it, so it yeah. didn't have any corruption when it came. Right,
1: right. But it reminds me here is the, you're, not, you're not even gonna get to a burial. Right, and so I mean connect this with you know Turnus killing Pallas. It's brutal, it's gory, but he says. I'll give the body back. Right. Now, I recognize kind of there are rules of war. Mm. Um, but here Aeneas is kind of throwing all of that out.
0: So he's more civilized than Aeneas? At, at
1: le- I think at this moment he is. Huh. Right.
0: Does that have any implications for the rest of the epic that you want to talk about? It? Well,
1: I think w- this will all kind of boy- come to a head in book 12. Okay. And so, you know, how do we ultimately see the character of Turnus? Is he more noble than Aeneas in the way that most people see Hector as being a more noble figure, a more civilized figure than Achilles is, mm. right?
0: You're setting the bar high for book 12. Uh... For book 12. For book 12. Yes. Right. Indeed. Okay, and now we have another scene shift. Yes. And we head back up to Olympus. Right. We see what the gods are up to and what are they up to?
1: Well, um, Jupiter, he, uh, I don't know what he's doing. He says to, he turns to Juno and to his wife and he says, you know what? uh, Venus is really responsible for all the Trojan success right here. It has nothing to do with Trojan valor or or bravery. It's, it's, It's Venus kind of doing her thing, which is. By whatever in the epic is not true.
0: Okay. Is uh, he trying to placate I think he's needling Juno? her.
1: I think he's kind of like poking her. And kind of uh, saying, look at, look at what Venus is getting away with. <laughs> That's how I read
0: it. I thought it was more along the lines, I could well be wrong, that um, your, your Greeks are not getting um, dissed, right? Mm. The Trojans aren't really succeeding. It's not that Trojans mm. are so great. Uh, Venus is really doing it, so don't feel so bad.
1: Oh, so that's a much more charitable reading. Than, than I, than <laughs> it could be both. Okay, yeah.
0: Uh, and he has different different uh, ends in in mind.
1: Well, if he means to placate, Juno, you know, it doesn't work. She's no. she's very upset, and so well, can she,
0: anything placate Juno? Right.
1: right. She, she's uh, she complains and she says, you know, well, at least let me save Turnus, take him away from the battlefield, and and Jupiter says, okay, you can do that for the time being, but right. you know, fate's gonna fate's gonna fate. Right. Um, and so Juno, uh, she comes down. I like guess she's she's like. She's like Venus. She's like Aphrodite with Aeneas in uh, the Iliad, right? right? She comes down. She disguises herself as Aeneas and gets Turnus to chase her, hmm. and um, and uh, goes down to a ship. And Turnus hops on the ship, looking, thinking, oh, "I've got him now."
0: Trapped him on board ship. Right. She's gonna be like a scene from Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Exactly, Captain Jack Sparrow. Right. And then Juno cuts the cable and steers the ship uh, down the coast back to Turnus's hometown hmm. to get him out of the battle. And Turnus, it doesn't make him happy. I mean he he panics. He said, should I swim for it?
0: Right. As the shore recedes into the distance <laughs> right. where all of his friends and allies are, right. you know, being trounced by the yeah. Trojans.
1: And he even considers uh suicide. Mm. So I'm gonna be the guy that abandoned my men right. at, you know in the at the at the apex of the battle.
0: Pretty noble, pretty heroic. It is very heroic. But cheated by the gods. Yeah. So
1: she takes him back home and uh again maybe um maybe gives him a a, a brief respite before his his, mm. t- his number is up. Right, and this too. Also, as I was reading all of this, didn't I mean? Didn't Jupiter just in in Book Nine say, "Hey, no more messing around,
0: no more interfering"? Yes. It's again. But, Jupiter's kind of strangely impotent in all. Yeah, of this. I guess. I don't know. Maybe what he meant was you can't actually engage in battle. you, you can't go onto the battlefield like they did in the Iliad. You can't line up and. And fight on and, the plane, and actually, kind of, you but know, you can do it, tricks and feints and deception. So she found a she found a loophole. She found a loophole. Okay, I don't All know. Right. I'm not. I'm not very convinced by that. Right. I think that your main point is is probably strong. That this seems contradictory to it, what it, does. it previously said.
1: Yeah. And then the, the book closes out with this scene of with Mazentius and Laus that we, right. we talked about at the top of the episode.
0: That's right. So uh, Jupiter turns the tide of battle, right? Yeah. To the Rutulian side. And Mezentius is the Etruscan king. Right. Allied to Ternus. To Ternus, right. And so Aeneas has to take him out at some point because he's posing a pretty serious threat to. Trojan victory, right,
1: and so he has kind of a, a mini little Aristeia of his own. He,
0: do we he, want to he, talk about the concept of Aristeia for a minute? Not, not everyone has listened to all 113 episodes.
1: Right, true. It's, it's kind of a moment. It's a spotlight moment, okay, where you kind of where uh, the poet kind of uh, reveals what you can do on okay. the battlefield, and your, your, um, your skill is unmatched in this, in this short moment where you're kind of killing everybody in your
0: path. Okay, so right. if you go watch a, you know, you go watch a jazz band play, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of songs. Or a rock band, where they're playing together, Mm -hmm. right? They are a connected whole, and that's where the beauty of the music, where they're you know playing off each other. But then there's the extended drum solo, right? (laughs) Right, Where the guy, this is, or the gal, this is what I've been practicing for twenty (laughs) five years. You're gonna see all of it in a six a six minute um, drum solo. Drum solo, right? Six a six minute segment, or the bass solo, right? (laughs) Or the that's kind of like an Aristea. It is. Would you say? Yeah, that's that's great. Spotlight focuses and and you know the crowd loves it but if you weren't there maybe i'm wrong if you weren't there to experience it it would be less um less pleasing maybe yeah it's part of the setting because you got to have the the whole group activity that has to be established yes and what they can do in unison or in harmony before the, the solo is valuable. You
1: need that context, right? So right. Every concert I've been to where there's been a drum solo,
0: that's always been my cue to, to go to the bathroom. Really? Uh, you so. check out at the drum solo? It's, it's ridiculous. A bass solo too. Just You don't like the bass solo? Stop. Just stop. Really? Yeah, exactly. What I'm, about the piano solo or the guitar? That, those are more lead instruments. You can stand that. Yes, huh? I can. Wow. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. Or Unless it's a jazz band, right, then that makes more sense in, in, the, in the terms of, of a trio. Okay. But
0: like a rock drum solo, please. No. Oh, it's horrible, right? <laughs> this is why I have no taste. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the lobby until the drum solo. Oh, really? Then I rush, then rush in. I rush in. Yes. I don't want to miss any right. of this.
1: But my complaint aside, the your uh, the analogy is apt. Okay. I like it's that apt. a lot. It is apt. Good. It's, it's very, yeah. So
0: Iliad book six, mm-hmm. Diomedes has yes. his big... Aristea. In fact, a book is named after him. The Diomedea. Yes. Right? The time for Diomedes to shine. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And it culminates in him in him wounding Aphrodite.
0: That's right. right? On yeah. the wrist we talked about last time. Right. So this is Mezentius's. Right. Aristea, but it's not very long
1: lived. It's not very long. So it ultimately comes down um, to between Mezentius and and Aeneas. Um, Mezentius throws a spear at Aeneas. Uh, he actually misses and kills somebody else. But um, then Aeneas throws a spear and uh, wounds Mezentius, not mortally, gets him in the groin. Oh. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then he draws his sword and walks forward to, to finish the job. And this is when Mezentius' son, Lausus steps in the middle. Right. And that's where we get the scene that we talked about at the top of the episode. Um, we, have some, we have some time for a little bit of Latin here? Yeah,
0: right? I just I have to read at least line 789. Okay. We don't have to do all of it, but 789, so moving. In gemawit cari graviter genatoris Amora. He groaned heavily, right? Mm-hmm. With the love of a dear son. Yes. Utui dit lausus lacrimai, querper ora volutai, hic mortis du tua quaptima facto, si qua fidem tan test la tura watustas. Non nequidem necte unis memoranda celebo. Very nice. Thank you. And what does what does uh, our man Lombardo say?
1: Before I read, it, I just wanted to kind of note is that you know Turnus's kind of his wish that uh, Pallas would die in front of his father right. It kind of comes true here, but mm. with, with other people, right? But, um, he or at least a father dying in front of his son. We get to, so it's kind of some some mixed foreshadowing there, right? Um, but the translation uh, so Lausus watching, groaned deeply for love of his father, and tears rolled down his faith face. And then Virgil breaks in. He says neither your death nor your heroic deeds, if antiquity can confer belief in prowess so great, nor you yourself, noble young man, so worthy of memory, will I leave in silence. Hmm. And so even the, the poet kind of steps back to recognize that something very moving and important has happened hmm. here. And I, I, again, I don't fully understand it. Is uh, we we've, we've only just met Lausus, and so why is is this man so worthy? Um, right. But, uh, but it's he's setting up. He's setting up the the scene for Lausus' own death and Aeneas's response.
0: Hmm. Do we want to get the the dying words of Mezentius? The last little exchange between Aeneas and Mezentius. Yeah, I it's think it's very so. gripping.
1: It is gripping. I Maybe mean, we can we can end with that.
0: Yeah, I really like this taunting of Aeneas. Yeah. Can you read some of that? Please? Sure.
1: Right. So um, Mezentius, remember, he's wounded, he, but he gets himself a horse, and now he's he's going after Aeneas, screaming out Aeneas' name. Um, he wants revenge for the death of his son. Um, and then, yeah, we'll pick it up with Lombardo's translation. Um, Aeneas, yeah, he kills the horse with a spear. The great stallion reared, pawing the air. He threw his rider and then, falling himself, hit the ground head first, disjointing his shoulder and entangling Mezentius. The Trojans and Latins lit up the sky with their cries. Aeneas ran up, drew his sword, and standing over him cried, You're not so tough now, are you, Mezentius? So he's pinned under his dead horse. Right. The Tuscan lifted his eyes, drank in the bright air, and when he had recovered his senses, answered, Bitter enemy, why do you taunt me and threaten me with death? Killing me is no sin. I did not come into battle for a truce. My Lausus did not seal such a pact between me and you. I only ask one thing. If the vanquished have any claim to clemency, let my body be covered by earth. I know my people's hatred surrounds me. Guard me from their rage. Let me join my son in the tomb. And I can think what's striking here is Aeneas doesn't respond with words. No. He says, M- Mezentius said these things and did not flinch. When the sword entered his throat, and his life sluiced out in streams of
0: blood, mm. and
1: that's how the book ends.
0: That's it. Yeah.
1: Wow. And so I think that has that scene has a lot more in common with how the epic ends. That's right. Than um, the the business with Lausus.
0: It's pungent, right?
1: And so mm-hmm. we'll have to we'll have to revisit that that notion. If you know, if Lausus is a doppelganger of Aeneas, mm. and what does it mean that Aeneas then kills himself? Yeah. Right. It is, or is that just is that just a hooey? Yeah,
0: right. well, I don't know. It's another, it's another type of uh, self-sacrifice. Yeah, Aeneas is willing to do anything for the founding of Rome. True, even let go of his uh, general humanitas. Yeah, and kindness, and become a killing machine. Right, it's necessary for Rome. Right,
1: but we got to get out of here. We got to wrap it up. Yeah, so, no doubt. Uh, before we go, tell us a little bit about the Moss Method or L.O.B.S.I.
0: Right. or both. Yeah, so the Moss Method for Greek is a program that I've established. It takes you from neophyte to erudite. That's correct. I like to describe it as self-paced, expert, and accessible. So it is a program based on the work of Charles Melville Moss, uh, Learn to Read Greek, the Greek Reader, and uh, it's 40 lessons in each module. Lessons one and two are completely finished, uh, module, th- I'm sorry, modules one and two are completely finished, three is in process. Mm-hmm. It's got 40 video lessons, 40 assignments, um, six quizzes, two exams, vocabulary list, lots of help. There's no reason not to succeed in Greek in this program and like I've said before there may be on the whole you know better instruction somewhere it would be immodest to say mine is the best but in terms of value I think this is an exceptional value uh, what you get for your money in terms of expertise I think it's really unrivaled and they get them office hours which you are so fond of
1: I love them office hours right so they can they can interact with That's you directly right. no flunky
0: no flunky no nope. flunky. every Friday morning currently 10 a.m. Eastern we get together on the zooms. And we talk Greek, and anyone who's in the course can join us. Go to mossmethod.com. Check it out. Excellent. Also have a Latin program, latinperdmcom slash LLPSI. That's lingua latina per se illustrata. You can study Latin with me. It's a similar kind of setting, but this includes um, real live-action participants. So you get to watch while I'm teaching other students Latin from the ground up using Orberg's famous book. It takes a little bit of the pressure off. Uh, To watch other people learn, you can take notes, rewatch the videos, and interact with me in weekly office hours. Sounds great. And they can find that. uh, Where where should they go? Latinperdm.com slash LLPSI. Fantastic. All right. So we got some people to thank, don't we, Jess? Yes,
1: we do. Um, As always, first thanks goes to Mishka our engineer, the one who puts it all together. Yep, makes it sound great. Yep, makes it sound great, makes us sound better than we actually
0: are. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's those guys, Scott Van Zen and Ken Tamplin. The screaming guitar and the intro and outro music, so generous to share with us their talent. Uh, Ken runs a vocal academy, how to sing better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. It's a modest claim. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, Scott Van Zenn, right, if you want to take guitar lessons with him. You can do your own. You can have your own Aristea. Do your own solo, a lead instrument. Jeff would stick around for that one. Absolutely. That's Def- right. Definitely.
1: Hey, if you want, if you want uh, to get a shout out, if you have an idea for an episode, you want to ask a question, you can write to us. Um, you can write to Dave at Dave at ad nauseum.com. Don't forget the V.
0: Or Jeff at ad nauseum.com. Do not forget the V in the word ad nauseum.
1: Right. You can also go to ad
0: nauseum.com and um, pick up a t-shirt. Yeah, check out our lurch with merch. That's right segment section of the website and get a quai no kent, kent t-shirt with the erasmian tag um Pathemata, Mathemata, the things that hurt they teach they teach yes right and
1: so what are we doing next week dave
0: well we um we teased the audience with tarzan and tradition mm. uh, which was going to be, I think, an excellent episode or probably two episodes on how the character of Tarzan by Edgar Rice Burroughs, how that interfaces uh, with the classical literature. Mm. Not sure it's going to be on for next week. We'll just have to see, but it's definitely in the works. Yes. And uh, this is based on a book by a former professor of mine, uh, the late Erling Holtzmark. I'm really excited to do uh, to do that material, but and we're not sure when it's going to be.
1: When we, when we do it, we want to do it well. We
0: right? want to do it well. So we don't we want to rush it.
1: We can keep the audience in suspense for next week or... Or, um, or a couple weeks. Or a couple weeks. Yeah. Right? There we go. All okay. right. And Dave, you have our gustatory parting shot.
0: Yeah, I do. This one is by a guy named Michael Pollan, a famous name. Mm-hmm. A work called *The Omnivore's Dilemma*. I
1: have it on my shelf.
0: Do you? I, do. I Was going to ask. Yeah. *A Natural History of Four Meals*. Have you read it? I've read parts of it. And yeah,
1: it's all right. Was, uh, it was. Uh, it was. A
0: ringing endorsement. Well,
1: it was. It was given to me by uh, a family member who's a vegetarian. Oh. It, was, it was kind of a, a, a trying to nudge uh, me. Did and, you get and, nudged? I did not. Okay. No, but um, Is the
0: book covered in bacon drippings or but,
1: something? No, it, 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 was, it was fine. It, I, 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 what I liked, I read. But let's get his quote. Okay,
0: here. the book came out in 2007. I thought this was a really interesting quote. I don't know what to think of it at all. But half the dogs in America will receive Christmas presents this year. Yet few of us ever pause, oh, good pun, few of us ever pause to consider the life of the pig, an animal easily as intelligent as a dog that becomes the Christmas ham. <laughs> A number of things about this. I'm just curious. How does he know that only half the dogs receive Christmas presents? And what about the other half? What do they do? Yeah, right. Where,
1: where's, where, are you, where is he getting these stats from? Exactly. Right, yeah. Is
0: there some clearinghouse of dog stats? I have no idea. The second thing I want to know is, um, how does he know that the pig is as intelligent as a dog? And then it's easily so. I mean, has he compared the SAT exams of the respective animals? That's and, one
1: of those things that I've heard that is, it's kind of like accepted wisdom that's, that's never really challenged. That I, the, I the agree. pig is a very intelligent animal. I've talked
0: about this too. I was raised on a hog farm. And right. I spent a lot of time with pigs and on the whole, they are easily as intelligent as a dog. Okay. But does pollen know this? I don't know. And yeah. I guess the, fi- the final thing is, what does he want us to make of this? Does he want us to give pigs a Christmas presents, or I, does he want us to eat dogs? He does,
1: He wants us to stop eating pigs. Is ah,
0: yes. right. So the dogs get a Christmas present right. and they're smart. And the pigs the are pigs just... pigs get eaten. They're easily as intelligent as a pig, but we eat them. Right. Why are we eating them? Okay. Right. Would right. he be happy then if we ate dogs and gave the pigs Christmas presents? I don't think so at all. No. no, no I don't
1: think he's going there at all. Am I
0: just being perverse?
1: I, I think I think before you get too wild, up, we need to stop.
0: Okay. And Thanks for listening. Thanks.